0: This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey loves, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me. It's always such an honor to gather with all of you in this virtual space. Thank you so much for your patience around this episode. I cannot promise you that there will not be other late ones in the next few weeks. (laughs) Um, It's still pretty wild here, but we're managing to get some roots through this move. Um, It's just, it's a whole um, different universe to be moving and um, kind of in creation for like three different things at the same time and also um, getting the opportunity to serve um, through this podcast. And it it's definitely very full time. So thank you for your patience, as I uh, attempt to prioritize self care in the midst of all this. So today, I'm very excited to talk about a topic that is really weirdly very dear to my heart, which is fear in the tarot. Um, I'm pretty passionate at uh, about speaking about the way that fear shows up around certain cards, and really in our tarot practice in general. Um, Because one of the things in soul tarot, which is the kind of tarot I teach that is so important, so crucial to begin to understand, and uh, there are tenets of soul tarot, but really, they could be translated into tenets for a soul-centered tarot practice, no matter what, you know, body of work you're engaged with. Um one of the truest truths about the tarot is that every single card in the tarot brings some kind of medicine. It's here to bring a gift. Every card. That includes the ones that you hate. It includes the ones that you're scared of and it includes the ones that you'd really rather not see. <laughs> um, now you don't always have to like this medicine. You know, we don't always like the flavor of the medicine that we get. If you were a child and had to like have a medicine that really helped you, um, you may have remembered the horrible taste of it and yet could appreciate the effects. That's kind of what we're talking about here. So this is not a negating. Uh, One of the things that I think some people think here is like, oh my God, there's no fear in the tarot. Of course there's fear. The point is that we want to start investigating what's underneath that fear. But we have to first start with an understanding, which is that every card in the tarot brings medicine. What will radically start to shift our tarot practice is if we begin to think about this critically and with curiosity, because if we're not understanding or considering the idea that every tarot card brings medicine, we are in slight danger of judging a card when it comes up. We shouldn't be getting it. It should not be coming up. It doesn't match. Those ideas um, can really stop a reading and a transmission from our guides and from our higher selves, like right in its tracks. Because when we put out um, this shouldn't be here. We're actually, um, putting a hand out to some kind of offering of medicine. Uh, the other thing that happens is that it really stifles a sense of curiosity, intimacy, and play because the truth is, um, I mean, I've been reading tarot for 24 years. And the biggest thing that I've learned is that I don't know shit about the tarot. It tells me what the truth is. And the more I, um, because I do this too, uh, I'm just a little I I can recenter a little quicker than maybe most. But, um, I absolutely pull cards in my daily pulls or around certain situations, and I'll be like, "The fuck is this?" You know, like <laughs> the card that, like, you know, pulling a card that totally doesn't match what I want, what I think I should be getting, all that stuff. Um, this is natural. This is what it is to move through, you know, brain and soul. That's the brain. Like, oh, this isn't this doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why this card's coming up whatever. Um, recentering around that is um actually backing up from that story and saying, hmm, you know, maybe there is something here. Maybe there's a different way of even thinking about this card than I've ever been acquainted with before. Maybe the card actually wants to tell me how it might be showing up around my situation. How interesting, how can I be open to that? That is really how I work. And from there, magical worlds open up and, and, you know, really mundane ones too. And, um, it helps to keep my practice with the tarot humble and, um, integral and in service of the card coming first rather than my expectations or perceptions. So we have to begin with that baseline. Um, and this is probably pretty, um, it may feel really kind of like a clusterfuck to think about the idea like every card brings medicine, what does that even mean? And if we're thinking of the tarot as this big, beautiful spectrum and um, really this library of of every single human experience that we could be having on this planet, um, there's no wrong experience. And the tarot also, really, as a rule, does not have anything to do with other people, it has to do with the range of our experiences. Not necessarily all of our feelings or our thoughts or impulses, but the experiences that we can have. And while there are some really shitty experiences, the tarot always brings a kind of an invitational energy, not necessarily what will be or what is. It offers an invitation. So if you get, as a card, nine of swords, you're being invited to look at the way that your brain is gripping you around worst-case scenario thinking. And from there, the medicine is, what proof, what evidence, what support might you consider calling in to help open the door for yourself on what's actually going on versus the worst-case scenario? If your brain is telling you like this person hates you, can you literally tell this person, Hey, I know this sounds kind of a little little different maybe, but, um, I just want to check in with you. Does everything feel okay between us? Do you, have I made you upset? Is there anything wrong? I really welcome just completely honest feedback. I'm totally available to hear anything. If it feels safe to share it with me, you know, that's an example. If it, you don't even feel safe enough for us to do that. So, there can be so many gifts that come from that, and they're cumulative. One potent experience in Nine of Swords will open up worlds. And what will happen over time is a card like Nine of Swords will start to be a friend when it comes up. It will lose the sting that it used to have because we have more experience under our belt around, like my gosh, when this card comes up, I get the chance to untie a knot that I have, that my brain grips me around. I don't always love it, but I get the opportunity to untie this knot. And slowly but surely, the experience with the card changes. When I was in college and deeply suffering from PTSD, Nine of Swords was a nightmare for me because it meant like, my God, I'm going to get sucked back into a horrible time and, you know, whatever it is. But with more time and more clarity, more curiosity, and more ability to look at things from a critical, sort of distant, unattached perspective, rather than sort of being in the midst, we can really see how these cards sometimes come up. The cards that we're afraid of don't actually come up amidst any negative um, feelings or emotions at all. Sometimes they come up when we're perfectly happy, and then the brain can swoop in and say, oh my God, well, what's going to happen? You know, holy shit. So we go back to this idea, that it shouldn't be this way. This card doesn't match this experience, or we can judge the card. Judging the tarot is one of the biggest impediments to being able to not just undo and kind of rewild our relationship with the cards that scare us, but also um, around having a much richer, much more full-bodied experience, not just with the tarot, but with our own lives. So are you judging a card? Do you feel that you know a card? There's a lot of assumption that we do about tarot. A lot of assumption, like this card is bad. This card is good. This card means this. Where did you learn that exactly? Who did you learn that from? Have you ever considered that everybody who's ever written about tarot has done so from a absolutely imperfect human lens, me too, that ultimately the only thing you can do is do your work around this idea? How might you consider each and every tarot card as being an invitation, an offering of some kind of medicine, bitter or not? still bringing some kind of gift, not a gift that your brain, your preferences, your ego might necessarily appreciate, but we're not serving the ego with tarot. And if you are, if that's something that you want, you are in the wrong neck of the woods with this podcast, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, I'm happy that you're here, but I'm just not going to give you anything that the brain's going to be particularly happy with. We're not here to service the ego. We're not here to service the brain. We're not here to make the brain feel safe. We're here to offer reference, um, reverence, and deference to the soul. So the soul wants to evolve. The soul wants to expand. That's what we're doing here. Expansion comes when we're honoring discomfort, and so. The experience, the relationships that we have with the cards that scare us are some of the most intimate that we can ever have with any card, because it's actually where we build this foundation, this journey. And these cards aren't coming to fuck us, to be enemies, to, um, you know, to screw up our day, to give us a heads up about something horrific that's going to happen. Not at all. Um, and they're really coming forward as allies that are helping us in one area of our, of our lives or many areas of our lives to get a little bit more intimate with what our story is around that area. You know, fear in and of itself is an opportunity. Fear always brings opportunities, invitations to go deeper around what we're believing. There's always something underneath fear, always. Um, and sometimes what we're afraid of isn't really about the fear itself, but about what could happen, what might happen. This is totally normal, and again, I'm not a therapist, but uh, I think this is just a human thing rather than it is necessarily a therapeutic um, thing, but fear around a tarot card is always a bridge to intimacy in some way with that card because it's a chance to unpack and uncover a belief that we have not just around the card or, I, or, or our idea of the card, but of ourselves and by extension, the world around us. You know, many of us have some pretty strong feelings about the tower card. And by the way, I try to say this as often as possible. You're supposed to because the tarot God, the tower, I always do that. The tower is a shedding of some sense of safety and security of the ego, some kind of protection, some kind of false refuge, you could say, um, that the brain has really held on to that um the universe or life or some part of our soul just decides we don't need that anymore. So it's really, we can look at it as when things fall apart. We can look at it as uh, really our opportunity to let go of one of the last again, false refuges of our lives and to clear an experience or an old belief that we're holding to the tower. Although we can experience and appreciate its gifts and beauty never fun. It's never fun because it's here to um, radically expand the soul experience and bring the brain down off of its sense of importance. So it's here to really help the brain have a little bit less control over us than it does right now. And nothing in the body or the mind or the brain or the nervous system is going to appreciate that. You are primed as a human being with a nervous system to not like the tower. That's not a problem. And that's what I mean by bitter medicine. You don't have to like these cards. What we're talking about is appreciating the medicine that they offer from a soul experience and beginning to develop ways to parent ourselves and care for ourselves and nurture ourselves and talk to ourselves and open to this with willingness and respect rather than attempting to either love them or hate them, but recognizing them as a really spiralic part of the journey that we may love them or we may not, that doesn't really matter. Um, we're looking at our relationship to the world around us. For a trauma survivor, the, ta- the tower is a really tough pill to swallow because the ground underneath us is already so tender and our relationship to the root is already so, um, for many of us, very um, fragile that it can feel very hard to develop an, uh, a supportive relationship with the tower. And the same goes for pretty much any card that you can think of, from the ones that you might think are positive to the ones that you might think are horrible. Um, and that's the point, is that for some people, they're most fearsome cards are really um quite lovely to some and it's the exact opposite for others so um we're getting curious we're not negating the intensity of these cards at all they're intense they're just not always necessarily you know they're never really bad but um challenging our stories around them you know Um, getting curious about why we feel the way we do around them. Just curious. We don't need to change anything. Just starting to think about them a little differently. Where does your fear around the card that you're afraid of comes come from? Like, where does that come from? Did it come from tarot books that you read? Did it come from your experience with the imagery? Does that experience have a root system somewhere? Who or what influenced that? Um have you ever tracked how that card actually behaves or have you assumed how it's going to behave? Does the dominant narrative become, you know, really brain focused, brain centered around what that card might signify, what that card might bring in? Because that's the other thing too, is that so much of this is like pulling a card and feeling like, oh God, what does this mean? What could happen? You know? So what we're doing is um, a really, I mean, if I had to name two of the most important parts of my practice that helped to make my practice what it is, um, those two things are curiosity and critical thinking. So I don't assume anything. I never do. I still don't. I am infinitely curious when it comes to tarot. It is always changing. And I am a critical thinker. Across the board, but most certainly with tarot. In other words, I have an open heart and open mind for any um, literature, anything that anyone has ever said about tarot. Um, but nobody's experience is more important than my own. And uh, even when um, you know, it's really important to critically think. And your experience should be the most important to you as well. Not to should you, but um, it's ideal. Uh, And it's okay if that's not how it is, but um, it's what we're aiming for. So curiosity and critical thinking are two really crucial pieces in this undoing process. And if we really desire to rewild our relationship with with where we hit pockets of fear in the tarot, we can begin to think about things from these sort of different lens views. You know, how does the card that you're most afraid of bring you medicine? You maybe have never thought about this before. You might think like it doesn't dive a little deeper, do a little critical thinking. How do you know that? Do you absolutely know that? Is that true? Do you absolutely know that it's true? This is what I'm talking about might seem kind of like a drag. Um, This is actually like the work I do and the work that I think um, with all due respect, uh, is really quite crucial for an integral ethical tarot practice that evolves with the teacher and um, continues to be one that we can grow with rather than one that we get stuck in to sort of in the same basic ideas. So um, this is just a little primer about ways that we can start thinking about fear in the tarot. And if you want to go deeper... Um, I highly recommend my offering from fear to medicine, highly, highly, very strongly to take you deeper into how we can undo this process, how we can start thinking about fear in these different ways and how we can apply this to um, certain cards that really show up for many people in this realm. And if you sign up for the offering before on or before February 28th, you'll get an opportunity for a very special bonus Q&A session with me around this. So uh, if you sign up after February 28th, you will not receive that, but you will get the offering as is. This is just a special little bonus. So um, yeah, if you're interested, you can sign up at the link in the show notes. But if not, that's totally fine, because I'm here to answer some of your questions and provide hopefully some support that will, um, circle a big, um, number of you. So it can really be useful. That's my goal anyway. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to shift into questions, but, uh, yeah, just start thinking about all that. You know, how does that land for you? You know, what, uh, and I would say, give yourself enough time to run and cycle through your emotions and your feelings because. Those aren't always, um, they're always valid emotions and feelings, not always the truth. So I would say just hang in there for a bit and see what happens. And remember, the more dust your brain kicks up, the more you are probably onto something. So just hang in there if you feel a little contracted by those ideas. Um, yeah, I'm going to answer a few of your questions. Anonymous asks very simple, very impactful question. Um, Ten of Swords, managing this card for the highest good. Is that possible? Treachery seems unforgivable. That's the question. Ten of Swords, managing this card for the highest good. Is that possible? Treachery seems unforgivable. So I chose this question because I think it illustrates and illuminates a lot of what I talked about. Where did you learn, Anonymous, that this card had anything to do with treachery? If you learned that somewhere, have you checked it? Have you looked in your own life? Have you seen proof that that's true? Has the brain really tried to find that proof? Because I got to tell you something, in all my years, never has this card ever come up around treachery for me or any of my clients. And I have always really thought that people who teach this way, um, and taught this card within that lens view, we're missing a huge piece of the medicine of this card. And I'm totally not putting you down about it. Uh, It was a courageous question, a beautiful question to ask, and I'm here to answer it. So the answer to your question is um, 100% possible to manage this card for the highest good. And by the way, you don't have to manage a thing because this card is already operating on a very high level. Any 10 is... is a life-death-life cycle in and of itself. It's the ending of something, the beginning of something new. The swords as a whole teach us to master experience, move through experiences of brain chemistry. Why? So we can become more acquainted with ourselves. If we move through an experience in two of swords, and three of swords, and seven of swords, we're going to get to know some part of ourselves a little bit more intimately, and we're going to get to know some aspect of ourselves in a way that feels really, really integral to us that we can become curious about. Now, just because something was depicted on a card, and this is really going to cause some ups So I understand because what I'm about to say is a little, a little controversial. Um, not everything that's depicted on a card is necessarily the highest truth of that card. Even the artistry of a card comes through the human filter. So if that human being who channeled that artwork never really did their swords work, the cards are going to feel a lot scarier than they are. Now Pamela Coleman Smith in The Smith Rider Waite was a genius and specifically spoke about how she chose to kind of take a more meta approach with the swords. In other words, they it was her intention to make them look a lot scarier than they were, because they brought out this sense of fear. But there was always this evolutionary sense underneath them. Now, totally, all cards operate on highest and best good, all of them. In Ten of Swords we have an experience where somebody is stabbed through 10 times with swords that all represent the power and the potency of the mind of thoughts. So what happens to you when your thoughts are going a million miles a minute and they're just weighing you down? The story that you have about your life as it is in this moment is weighing on you. It's pressing on you. It's literally closing down the central nervous system, your spine, literally where the big energy centers in your body operate, you know, from an energetic perspective, not a physical one. Um, what happens we are called into change. It asks us to change our mind about something literally to start thinking about something differently. No tarot card is ever Ever contingent upon something external happening to make it happen. Ten of Swords doesn't have anything to do with anyone but you. So it's an internal process. There's been for forever, pretty much since tarot's been written about, a really um kind of unique approach that has really been a sort of a one-track idea that. Certain cards have to do with other people coming in, other people having an influence on our lives. Not true. Just n- never, we can't ever um, definitively say that. We can't ever definitively know that. So we have to start from a new backbone, which is to say, how does this card show up in my life and what is it inviting me to pay attention to? And this is the way I teach. It's the way that critically makes the most sense to me you know? So, um, of course we can allow this card to move through us on the highest good because, um, treachery really as a rule has nothing to do with this card literally at all. And if you believe that it does, I want you to start thinking about why, who taught you that. And when you look at the image can you go even further than the image? I know that that sometimes wakes my students out because um, they're very, many of them are very visual. I completely understand that. A lot of people are like, wait a minute, if I can't honor what's on a tarot card, what the hell am I doing? You're opening to the medicine within the tarot card that is beyond the human filtration systems. So you can essentially read with any deck with no deck and allow the medicine to come through you because there is a core sense of truth with every single card that can come through, regardless of whether or not it's being depicted in a way that resonates with you or not, or a way that resonates with your truth or not. So it's pretty wild, but this is a beautiful question because it allows us to think about how, a quite frankly, miraculous card, like 10 of swords, which is one of the deepest allies in my life, and I think in many who allow it to be. um, How it's been, we've been so robbed of the medicine of this card um, and how the rewilding process can start to be, well, where did that come from and how did that start, you know? And I'll say this too. um, I've talked about Ten of Swords on the podcast. I'm not going to spend a ton of time answering and going into the into the theory of it but just to sort of repeat something that i mentioned on that on the podcast that i did about 10 of swords that i really learned what 10 of swords was about because um in the midst of me doing some of my biggest most successful um work endeavors and uh, life endeavors that 10 of swords is a very um common card that i pull that has to do with shifting the way that i'm relating to my thoughts So, um, it usually involves me, um, leaning into fear and breaking through on the other side, thinking about life in a completely different way, or at least about an area of my life in a completely different way. So it's a miraculous card. It really is. But we, in order to get to that juice, we have to start thinking about, um, did the person who initially wrote about that card or imagine that card or envision that card had they had they ever done this work Probably not you know so we have to we have to get a little bit more critical with it. Um, Anna asks, your method of teaching tarot has taught me to find the medicine in each card and it has been so so deeply helpful. When I do pull quote bad cards now I immediately find myself saying it's okay it's actually not a bad card here's why the stark and scary card is lovely and wonderful even though it feels heavy and hopeless. but sometimes that doesn't always feel realistic. Are there any cards that are just bad because they feel bad and seem bad and everything is just bad right now? Are there